Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. We're going to teach tonight on, on uh, holiness. We're going to pick up that here after the first of the year. Uh, but I felt like that uh, as we go into the new year, I felt like we needed to learn a little bit more about God. And I know that we need to know the Lord. We need to know Him. And in 2024, which it's hard to believe, we're stepping into a new year. And uh, uh, But we need to know the Lord more than ever before. I've I've been hearing about churches um, that have been, uh, a lot of people have been coming to churches uh, all across our nation and probably even around the world. But when the chaos is going on in our world today, people are realizing that there needs to be some kind of change, not only change in our world, but change in their lives. So um, we, we need to be uh, ready for that. We are seeing growth here. Uh, which we're thankful for. Uh, but there is a stirring. There is a stirring. We talked about this here about six to eight months ago. We just felt like there was a stirring in the spirit, and there really is. And we, want, we need to be sensitive to reach out to people that, that God is speaking to because he's speaking. He's speaking to people. Uh, we're in an hour that we just need to allow God to do the work that he needs to do uh, because he is doing a work, and we just need to go to the Lord in prayer, pray for these souls, pray for the lives, because it opens up avenues and doors for, for people to find the Lord. Trust me, prayer most definitely works, and in the hour that we're living in, uh, more than anything else, it's a matter of prayer. We take it to the Lord in prayer. We offer it to God in prayer, and God comes through. And um, we're seeing lives touched, lives changed. Uh, we're seeing uh, people uh, make steps toward God, and that's important. And we want to be there for them also. Amen? But for us, as the church body, we need to know the Lord more than what we already know Him. And I realize that when we begin to talk about who God is, it's it's. It's an exhaustive subject. It just keeps going on and on and on. Uh, I don't know if you're fully exhausted. It's you, you have information that continues. We're, we're, the more we walk with God, the more we learn about God, the more we dig into the Word of the Lord. I don't know how many times you could read the Bible through, but you're going to hear and see new things there in the Word of God because the Word of God uh, has such uh, uh, treasures in it, gold and silver of of the spirit. I'm not talking about you know, sort of the material things, but it's gold and silver and treasures of the spiritual revelations of God. So tonight, and this is not exhaustive by any means, but it's important for us to know the Lord uh, as we continue to walk forward in Him. Now, uh, and of course, entering into this new year, we need to know what type of God that we're serving. We're serving, first of all, the only God. There is no other God. There's no God beside him, the Bible says. Uh, he is the Almighty. And uh, as we're building a relationship with the Lord, we need to know him. And that's one way to know him, is to get close to him. Get close to the things that he loves. He loves the, his, his word in our lives. Read it. Absorb it. Uh, I, I've seen... Uh, some of the children have come back to me and shown me their new Bibles, and I thank the Lord for that because it's that's a treasure for them. And um, thank you, parents, for giving Bibles to your children and letting them know the importance of that. That's very, very, very important. But now I'm going to say a very profound, profound thought here, and that is relationships must not be one-sided. Now, that's not mine originally. 
but it is, it is so true. If you're going to have a relationship, it should not be one-sided. Now, I'm going to look at it this way. First of all, there's no doubt that God loves you and me. There's no doubt the desire for God to be close to us. He's done everything that he needs to do when you dig into the word of God to make it a possibility for us to draw closer to him and for us to be able to have a strong, powerful relationship and have peace and joy and happiness in our lives and, and be able to bear fruit in our lives. He's given us everything that we need. So he is in a definite pursuit for us to get closer to us. He's set it all up, given us every tool, every opportunity, everything that it takes. But if it's a one-sided relationship, it's not going to be as a healthy a relationship as if it was a two-sided relationship. So God's doing his part. Turn to somebody next to you and say, God's doing his part. God's doing his part, but we've got to do our part to make that relationship as strong as it needs to be. Amen? So we're going to talk a little bit about that here tonight. And uh, I've, I've read some scriptures in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 1 through 10. Ephesians 4, 1 through 10. And I'm going to need your help here tonight, Bible scholars. We're going to have you kind of help us in some comments. I know as we do this, we... We definitely hear some really uh, great thoughts from our scholarly um, group here in the church, all of us. Uh, no comment is, you know, is a bad comment. It's all good, and um, uh, we appreciate your thoughts on this. But if you turn in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 10, uh, we're going to read these scriptures and go through these. And... Um, this was Paul speaking, of course, to the Ephesians, and um, he was opening up some things and thoughts that they needed to understand, and we need to understand these also. So, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, if you're there, say amen. Okay, and you also have it on the screen up here. Thank you, Brother Arnold, for that. Okay. First, uh, first verse, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Now, that's, that's quite the choice of words for Paul to say, a prisoner of the Lord. Now, when we think of prisoner, um, I won't ask if anybody here has ever been in prison or in jail because um, I know a few have been, we won't mention any names, <laughs> but uh, when you were there, of course you were there, and you probably wanted to be somewhere else, but Paul was saying, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Now, when you think of prisoner, we're not talking about in a place that is bad, in a bad way as a prisoner. Paul was not saying that. Uh, he was not, let me go into this detail, he was not saying it in the sense that I am so sick of living for God and being a part of the kingdom of God. I feel like I'm a prisoner, I'm bound, and I have to do this, and I have to live this way, and, and it's a miserable place to be. I'm chained, I'm fettered, uh, I, I can't get out of this. Uh, I'm here without, beyond my will. That's not what we're talking about. Paul was not talking about that at all to the Ephesians. Matter of fact, he was happy to be a, a, a prisoner because we're going to go into the definition of what a prisoner actually is in this sense. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. It's not in a bad way that, is trying, that, that he's trying to get out of, no, it is in a sense that he's trying to continue to walk as a prisoner of the Lord. Because what does a prisoner here mean in this scripture? Uh, it's not bound beyond your will. Paul chooses to be in that position as a prisoner. Because what it means is it's a position of commitment and, and, a, and a servant of the Lord 
like the servant that has a choice of leaving the prisoner, the prisoner status. Paul has an opportunity and a choice to, we could be called prisoners ourselves of the Lord, but we have a choice, and Paul had a choice that he didn't have to stay there as a prisoner of the Lord or a servant of the Lord and committing himself to the Lord. He could have left at any time. Nobody holds you down to live for God. Nobody forces you. We don't, I, as pastor, I don't stand up here with a, with, with a gun and say you have to live for God or you're going to be shot. <laughs> That's not the case. Or you're going, we're, we'll force you to do that. That's not it. it. As a prisoner, he was a servant of the Lord. He was a servant of the Lord. He could have left at any time, but he chose and was proud that he was a prisoner of the Lord or a servant of the Lord. Um, but like the servant, there's, there's a story in the Bible, and I just read this here just the other day too, and you've heard it before, that if there is a, sometimes people in the Old Testament would get in a position where they could not afford to pay their bills. So it says because of the law, they were forced to be a part of, uh, in order to pay off their debt, they had to become a servant of a master, so they had to serve them. So when it got to a point where they, they were able to pay their debt, which might have took several years to pay their debt, they were a servant of this, this master. Uh, but when they finally paid their debt, they were released to be set free, to go, and to leave that surrounding, that environment, that situation. But there were some servants that loved their master so much that in their choice of either leaving or staying, they chose to stay with the master. And so what the Bible said, that if they chose to stay, then they would take them to the doorpost. They would put their earlobe up against the doorpost and take an awl, and they would drive it through their earlobe and it was a symbol or a sign that they were giving their whole life as a servant to that master because they loved the master and actually you, you, you wouldn't want to stay if the master didn't love them. So there was a relationship that went two ways. The master loved the servant and the servant loved the master. Now, when you look at that, uh, it... As we choose to live for God, it is a commitment. And what God wants it to be is for it to be a lifelong commitment. He doesn't want us to just give our lives to him and then about a year later, I'm bored with this, I'm going to go on to something else. Well, we have a choice to leave, but we have to deal with the, with the ramifications of our, of our choices if we choose to walk away from God. There are judgments concerning that. But the thing about it, when you build a relationship with the Lord to the point where you love him and we already know he loves us, then it's not hard to live for God. I tell you where it's hard living for God is when you're not completely committed. And when you don't fully love the Lord with all of your heart and you've got, you're trying to balance things on a fence post somewhere, and you're trying to have both worlds. You, have, you want to have the world and, and pleasing the flesh, and you want to have pleasing God. It doesn't work. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. I've used this illustration before also. I've, I've worked in places where there were like two or three bosses on a job. Has anybody ever done that before? Two or three bosses? That is the most chaotic mess I've ever seen in my life. Um, and so... <laughs> Uh, I, I've had issues like that, situations like that. I've also had in work, you know, had uh, people try to move into being a boss and trying to boss you around. So I have to set my feet down and say, I have one boss and this is his name and he owns this company and you are not my boss. I just want to explain that to you. You are not my boss. And uh, I've said it in front of the owner of the company. You are... You are my boss, but he is not my boss. And if he's going to be my boss, I'm out of here. 
I just set my foot down. So I don't say that in a mean way. I say that in a in a uh, matter of fact way. Just to, you got to clear the air. You got to get some things straightened out because some people get confused on what position they're carrying. And I am not going to be under two or three bosses is chaos and confusion. So the thing about it is you can't serve two masters. You can't serve the world and God at the same time. It's chaos. It's confusion. It is a mess. And some people try to do that. The hardest way to live for God is trying to live for God and live for the world at the same time. But if you make a complete commitment to the Lord, it is a whole lot easier to live for God. Living for God. Church is a love because you want to be in the presence of the Lord. Hearing the preaching of the word is a love for God because he, you want to absorb the word to understand more about him. Uh, being in the presence of the people of God. It's a love for the church. Loving the church because this is God's idea, the church, the body of Christ, the people of God, and, and holiness is a God uh, idea, and uh, uh, serving him and reaching out to him is a God idea, the foolishness of preaching, it's a God idea, the teaching, it's God idea, the fivefold ministry, it's a God idea, I can continue to go on and on, it's, let me put it this way, let's just sum it up real quick, the Bible is a God idea. It's a God idea. It's, as, it's really as simple as that. So it's not hard to live for God. If you're having a hard time living for God, check your relationship with God. Check your commitment to God. Uh, we need to put God first above all things. So Paul was looking at it in this way. He had committed his life to the Lord, and he called himself a prisoner or basically a servant of the Lord. And uh, that's what he desired to do. He wanted that in his life. He could have left and not done that, but he had a love relationship with the Lord, and he was proud to be a prisoner of the Lord. And he beseeched the Ephesians that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. He wanted them to be committed to the call of, of that vocation, worthy of that vocation. And uh, what a vocation is, is a calling of, of God to serve him. To be worthy to be able to serve him. To walk with him and serve him. So that's verse 1. Then it goes on and says in verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Lowliness. Some people look at that like, okay, uh, living for God is lowliness. Uh, it, it's a good thing, meekness. Uh, some people think that you can't succeed in life if, unless you push other people down and, and trample over other people. No, lowliness and a meekness spirit, meek spirit is a good thing in God. Read the Beatitudes because it shows those things right there. Uh, forbearing one another in love, loving people caring for people, reaching out for people, and helping them along the way. Uh, long-suffering, long-suffering. Um, it's a beautiful thing when we have people that are connected and unified together in loneliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That is a beautiful thing. We all love peace, but endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. In the church body, we need to fight for one another and fight for peace. If there is an attack against our peace and our unity, we need to fight against that. We, we need to overcome that. We need to continue to be unified together. In a body, there is always going to be situations where uh, something tries to divide. We need to recognize it and fight against it. And sometimes it's a matter of saying, I am sorry, I apologize, I might have said something I shouldn't have said. Sometimes we, we have to do that for the sake of unity because unity brings revival. 
for the sake of harvest and unity and souls being saved, um, I want to fight for unity. Amen? Because I love peace. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And then in verse 4 it goes on and says, there is one body. I look at that as the body of Christ. Body of Christ. Um, you know, we're one church, but we're a part of a bigger body all around the world. Landmark is a part of the kingdom of God. We're not just one church, and that's that, and we're the only ones going to heaven. <laughs> no, we're a part of a big, vast body of Christ around the world, of churches that preach and teach the truth of the Word of God. One body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. And it goes on and says, there's one Lord, one Lord. There's not a confusion of different lords. I was reading a book, I've been reading it here recently, and uh, uh, it's very interesting. I'll, I know I'll talk about it more as we go, but I've been very amazed at the journey that this man is on in trying to find God. And uh, I've seen some beautiful things in his life about how uh, God began to open up some avenues in his life. Uh, but in the book, it was, talking about, um, it was talking about the word Trinity. And the word Trinity is not in the Bible, by the way. But the word Trinity wasn't used until, uh, I can't remember the date, uh, like uh, 200 A.D. or something like that. But there was a religious group that started using that word, and then they, a lot of churches and a lot of philosophies of theology began to circle around that word, the, uh, Trinity. But it wasn't used during Jesus' day. It was used uh, several years after that. So we do understand, as you look at the scriptures, there's all kinds of scriptures from Genesis to the book of Revelation that talk about the oneness of God. And right here in verse 5 it says, uh, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Now, the Bible says, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the, it says that beside me there is no other, the Lord said. There is one Lord. He is God in the Old Testament. As his spirit began to move upon the face of the earth, he spoke things into existence. And then there had to be a, a sacrifice. God loved the world so much that he didn't send somebody else for it. And I know I've used these illustrations before, but it's really my thoughts is the best way to explain this. You know, he didn't send someone else because he loved us. He's, he came himself and robed himself in flesh, which is called the Son, Jesus. And when he died and, and ascended back into the heavens, uh, he also sent his own spirit back to live in the form of the Holy Ghost in our lives. It's not two gods. It's not three gods. Um, it's one God that took on different positions he took on different positions for us. He is God as a creator. He is God as our savior. And he is God as our comforter, the power of the Holy Ghost that lives and dwells within us. It's all in the scriptures. I, I could take many weeks in talking about the oneness of God, explain the oneness of God. But there's power in that revelation of the oneness of God. But it says here uh, that there is one Lord, and one faith, the Lord didn't intend for there to be so many multi, multi, thousands, maybe millions of different doctrines of faith. That was not God's intention. It's simple. It's in the Word of God. You read the Word of God, you can see it. It's there. It ties in from the front to the back of the book. Genesis, the book of Revelation, it all fits together like a puzzle. You can't just take one scripture and say this is that, uh, you know, you could, but you could tie it all in. 
Matter of fact, Acts 2.38 is all through the Bible. Repentance, baptism, uh, in the name of Jesus, filling of the Holy Ghost. It's all through the Bible. I realized that, that Jesus told them uh, to preach and teach in my name beginning at Jerusalem because Jesus was going to die upon the cross and he, he was going to be buried in the tomb, resurrect up out of the tomb, and then he wanted them to go to Jerusalem and uh, wait for the promise of the Father, which we know the promise of the Father was the Holy Ghost. But at that point, that's the reason why uh, when they asked Peter after he preached the message, what shall we do, that's when uh, Peter said in Acts 2.38, he said, uh, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repentance, baptism, filling with the Holy Ghost. But he, they began to preach and teach in my name. Matter of fact, uh, and I read, a, I read a commentary the other day, and, and, um, and sometimes you got to really, when you read a commentary, you got to really sometimes dig into some things, and sometimes you got to throw some things out, and you got to pull some things in. They can benefit you, and some things can be doctrinally incorrect. And they were talking about a certain baptism and said that there's no other place in the Bible where it it uh, was any other thing other than in the titles, and that's not true. Because Paul, or Peter said, you know, baptize in the name of Jesus. After Jesus died on the cross, every baptism was done calling on the name of the Lord. Calling on the name of the Lord, which is Jesus. Uh, matter of fact, in Acts chapter 19, uh, John the Baptist, uh, those that he baptized, he baptized them under repentance. Um, when he, they found out about that, they talked to him about the Holy Ghost. They didn't heard, hadn't heard that there be any Holy Ghost. Uh, but the thing about it is they took them and rebaptized them in the name of Jesus Christ, calling on the name of the Lord. So baptism in Jesus' name is what the Lord wants. It's not 10, 20, 100 million different religions and faith. It's the Word of God. We've got to go back to the pattern, the Word of God, and find out exactly what we understand of what God wants. He didn't intend it to be millions of different religions. The reason why it's so many different religions is because man has got his hands in all of this and he's changed it to the point where it's what they want and not what God wants. So what we've got to do is go back to the word of God. That is the pattern of what God wants. That is actually the pattern of it all. So there is a great importance in, in repentance and being baptized in the name of Jesus and in filling of the Holy Ghost. Why wouldn't anybody want to be baptized in Jesus' name? There's power in the name of Jesus. It's powerful. But it's the Word of God. It is truth of the Word of God. So when we look at this, we can understand that um, there is one Lord and there is one faith and one baptism, it says. Okay, why would it say one baptism if there's three or four, ten different baptisms? He wants it to be one baptism, his way, his plan. But then it goes on, and this is the scripture that I want to ask your thoughts on because I feel like it gets us to the point where we understand who God is, okay? Um, chapter, or, or verse 6 here in in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. But that verse 6, One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. Now to understand more about the Lord, I feel like that um, uh, we have to look at this to understand the Lord, that he is above all and through all and in you all. What does that mean to us? What does that mean uh, to us? Jesus' purpose for ascending we find in verse 8, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captive, captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. 
And then verse 9, now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Before he ascended, he descended. Because when God does it, he covers all bases for us. Everything. He didn't just ascend up into the heavens, which they saw him go up into the heavens. And it is said that as you've seen him go up into the heavens, you're going to see him come back in like manner. And he ascended off of the Mount of Olives. And that's where they feel like he's going to come back, is to that Mount of Olives uh, when he comes back to the earth. But God covers all bases. He had to go down to the lower parts of the earth, descended first. to reclaim the deliverance of salvation for us before he ascended. And in verse 10, he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things, that he might fill all things. Now, to know God more, I think we need to discuss above all, through all, and in you all of God. Brother Raymond, can you grab a mic for me? We're going we're gonna to get some comments here and see what your thoughts are about above all, through all, and in you all. Which mic do you want him to get? One over here? Okay. That first one, that orange one. So I'm going to ask the question, what is your thoughts when we read the Scripture and then I'll give you my thoughts on it. One God and Father of all who is above all. Let's talk about above all. Talk about God. He's above all. What do you, what do you think about what that means here tonight? Anybody? I feel like it means the highest authority. Okay. The Father. The Father. Okay. Anybody else? Sister Connie? Some good thoughts here tonight? Above all, we're talking about God. So when just looking at that first part, um, one God and Father of all, who is above all, um, oftentimes in the scripture, um, God is referenced like a, like a father over his children. Um, so like if you have a great father, and even Jesus said, if you give your children great things, how much more will your father in heaven give unto you? So I say he's the father of all fathers. So um, he's the epitome of <laughs> fatherhood above every great father you can think of God is even more okay yep anybody else above all Mr. Toby some good thoughts here tonight I think it's also in the placement of where he resides too he's above all it says that God sits on the circle of the earth also says that the heavens is his throne and that the earth is his footstool. So I believe that we can recognize that he holds everything in his hands. Amen. Above all, talking about God. Anybody else? I think we've covered it pretty good. So uh, we talk about father figure, authority, um, you know, uh, that he lives above us. I mean, there's a lot of great thoughts we had here concerning above all. Uh, when you look at the definition of above all, uh, in this particular scripture in the Greek, it means over. It also means of position and also in charge of, in charge of. Now, 
I know we don't look at it this way because I've heard the thought of a, a good father and um, authority, and but it, I, I don't, and I know you all don't look at it this way either. That I don't look at it as God's positioning over us as a place to abuse us. Because a good father is not going to abuse his children. So I don't look at that as, as God is above us so that he can abuse us or that he can, uh, you, know, uh, you know, force us in a way of, of not really caring for us, but he's over us and above us, over in a position and in charge of, of us to take care of us. Because a good father is going to take care of us, supply shelter, supply blessing, help us. And I know, I know that, that there are times that uh, some, some have not had a good father ex experience, and some have. I understand that. But I also understand that if you haven't had a good father experience, just look to the almighty father. He is above us. He is a God that loves us and cares about us. He's with us, and he is providing for us, but he's over us of position and in charge of. He's an almighty God, and, but I don't look at it as, a, as an abusive figure. I look at it as he's there to protect us, care for us. We can lean on him. We can talk to him. We need someone to talk to that we need some advice and help from. Talk to him. He'll show you something either in the Word of God. He will speak to you something one-on-one, uh, -on -one, maybe in a time of prayer, or he might even give you a word in the preaching or teaching or while you're just reading the Scripture. All of a sudden, something just begins, begins to come together because he's speaking to us because he's our Father. He cares about us. He's above us. He is the authority over us because we allow him to be. Amen. And um, he's, he's a gentleman. He's a good father. And he's a great fatherly figure in our lives as a great example in our lives. So like a loving parent that nourishes, protects us, and guides us. It was David that said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging for bread. God's always taking care of his people. Uh, how many of us have been in those places where we just couldn't make ends meet and we began to pray and ask God to help us? And he came and helped us and he answered our prayer. I think we all have testimonies along those lines. But he is there to nourish us physically. He's there to nourish us spiritually. He's there to protect us physically. He's there to protect us spiritually. He's there to guide us, as you know, to guide us in our lives. The Bible is, of course, a lamp to our feet and a light unto our pathway. Um, but he guides us. If we allow him to, he will guide us in a perfect and beautiful way. It might be an unusual way. We, we might go down places that we, nor, we wouldn't choose, but when it's all said and done, it was the most beautiful sight beautiful place that you could ever see. But he guides us. Okay, so that's where we are looking at above all. God is also through all. What does that mean? Anybody want to start? Through all. Bible scholars. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all. I think part of it is his signature is in everything in life to the minutest quark I'm learning <laughs> um, and prions and all these little things that they didn't even know exist and God's signature is in all of it just the way our bodies work and how the environment works it's in everything his way his Creation is him. It just reflects, I don't even know how to put it. Like every time they learn something new in science, um, 
it's just another confirmation of God and what he's done. And outer space, the vastness of outer space, I can't even imagine. It doesn't end. I mean, like, God's bigger than outer space, and they're finding outer space keeps going and going and going. You know, it's just the, from the minutest to the grandest of it all, he is in it. It's his signature. It's like, this is who I am. Amen. When we were singing that song tonight, um, talked about uh, who, who put what is it, the sun uh, in place or the power of that sun. I, I, I just started thinking about this. I'm glad as a child of God that we read the word and we know who made the sun. And think about it. Where does that sun get its power to keep burning for so many thousands of years? Uh, it really makes it a miracle if you consider that what the scientists can try to figure out what the age of the earth is when they talk about billions and billions of years, which I don't know. It, maybe it is. I have no idea. But makes it even more of a miracle that that sun would continue to burn and, and every planet would go around that. But I'm thankful that I know who did it. Now, I, and I was thinking as we were singing that, oh, those poor scientists that don't know God that might be atheists, still trying to figure out how the sun is burning still, when all you have to do is go to the Bible and you'll figure it out. Or find a relationship with God, you'll understand it. It's God that keeps all of these things in place. Amen. Sister Connie, through all. So, uh, through all, I was actually just having this whole little Bible study conversation with Jace yesterday. And um, what I was telling him was, um, so when it comes to the through all, I was telling him um, it, it, the world all around us is our evidence, like Sister Alani was saying, it's our evidence that, that God is. And I was telling him when you are wondering like, oh, well, I can't see God, so is he real or this, that, you know, whatever that little kids begin to question. Um, and I told him, it's just like, if you come home and you know the house was messy and you come home and it's all cleaned up, but you don't see mommy anywhere, you're going to know that mommy was here. Yes. And he was like, yeah, I know that if the house is cleaned up, you did it, but you don't see me anywhere. You didn't see me clean the house. He was like, yes, but I still know that you cleaned the house. I said, that is what the world does for us because God is in everything, like Sister Lonnie was saying. So you look around and how everything was created. God is in everything. In my mind, just as Sister Lonnie said, um, and just as I was trying to explain to Jace, I think through all means exactly that. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Through all. Through all, who, who wants to comment? I think if you look at the word through, you'll see the word rough in there. And uh, I think that it means that God will be through all those times, through the rough times, through the empty times. Um, he's just, uh, he's always there. His hand print is um, there. You just got to look. And there's a lot of faith that uh, comes from reading the word of God and reading about the great things that God has um, taken people through. And, uh, it's our choice to let God be through all of those things. He's going to be whether we want him to or not, but we can have that relationship and that faith in him hmm. that makes all the difference in our experience and uh, drawing closer to him. Very good. Anybody else? Through. God is through all. Some good thoughts here. 
Um, I've read a, a few different leadership books, and um, one of the kind of reoccurring themes in, in a lot of those books as far as what makes a good leader um, is that not only are they, you know, above everything that they're managing everything and kind of setting the vision for how things should be, but that they are also like among the people. Um, there's a uh, guy, um, i trying to think of his first name, Lee Cockrell, uh, who used to work at Disney and, and like he would make a point to go every day and walk through the hotel that he worked at um, that he managed and talk to people and be on their level. Um, and, you know, it, it, it made him a better leader and people wanted to follow him. Um, I just started a book also on Truett Cathy, the guy that started uh, Chick-fil-A. And same thing with him that, like, he kind of duplicated himself within the people uh, under him. And so, you know, it, when I think of... Um, I mean, discipleship is just that. It's Jesus came to earth and he ex exemplified it for himself, uh, what the pl you know, plan of salvation is or what the plan for uh, making disciples is. Um, so not only is he above all, but he is through all, that he, you, you kind of catch his, his vision and you catch his um, characteristics and his mannerisms and all of that because he's not just above everything, but he's also working through everything and, mm. and he's in everything. And um, so, I, I don't know, I, to me, I think whenever, just from a uh, leadership standpoint, when you think of a good leader, Jesus exemplifies that even in today's business standards is that he is a, uh, he is a good, true leader, the type that would fight for you, would be in the trenches with you um, every single day. And I just think that's, it's no coincidence that what people hold as the standard for good leadership, Jesus exemplified that. Amen. So the Lord is with us wherever we're at in life. He's with us right now. Amen. Through all. was thinking about um, God through the ages the other day, and I had never mm, saw it this way. I was thinking how, so watching A Christmas Carol and Charles Dickens I, got me thinking about this. I thought, <laughs> wow, even in, in old England there, God was involved in those people's lives, and at the same time in that time period of the 1800s he was involved in people in India's lives if people and Israel's lives and if people were calling on him he was involved in their lives but he's also involved in the whole thing of the world even where people aren't calling on him and he's in the details and then you go back to like I don't know 1400 you know like he's just through all of mankind as all, all through the ages, no matter what age it was, the Renaissance or the Dark Ages, and even the Dark Ages were because they named it the Dark Ages. I just learned this. I probably learned it before and never connected. Um, were because there was no spiritual illumination in the Dark Ages. They went to just living man's way without any regard to what God would want, and so that's why they called it. But, but even then, he was involved in people getting back connected with it. I, I, it's just he was through every single age. It's just hard to boggle, you know. Isn't it hard to? It's just hard for me to comprehend. Mm -hmm. Fifteen hundred years ago, he was still moving among men, and he was still the same God that we're talking about today. I, and I know we know that, but. I, it's hard for me to comprehend. Mm. Anyways, that's through all the ages in details. When you learn about the details, like I learned about the shepherds, like, did you know, Be you guys probably knew this, but I just learned that Bethlehem is the place where sh the sheep for the um, Jerusalem temples, that's where the sheep were born. 
Jesus had to be born where the sheep were born. And he had to be born in the manger because a manger is where specifically where sheep are born. It was just like, oh my gosh, even in those details. And if he's in the tiny details there, he's in the tiny details for all of us. Isn't that quite all through things? I mean, like, you know, when you yeah. think about it. <laughs> he's in everything. Amen. Anybody else? Through all. Um, through all, the meaning in the Greek means uh, among. And then it says after verbs denoting an extension. So it's an action or a motion or an act that occurs through any place. So it's basically bring all of the thoughts we're bringing out here tonight, the comments, together. And um, uh, my thoughts of, of God working through us, uh, he works through us at times too, through miracles and wonders. Uh, God's glory flowing through us to the world. We're a light to the world, but he's working through us. You know, God can do it all, but he chooses to work through us. And he chooses to work, like you were saying, through all ages. And he, he works through all situations. So in order for us to understand more about the Lord, we've got to understand he's above all. He's the authority. He is the Father. He's there to take care of us. He's the, there to care for us, protect us, nourish us. But he's also working through us in our lives. Matter of fact, uh, and like what Brother Timothy was saying here tonight, a thought came to me about, um, and there's other illustration of the Bible, but the Hebrew children, um, they didn't have to go through the fiery furnace by themselves because there was a fourth man in the fire. <laughs> he didn't just say, you're going to go through it, I'm going to work a miracle, but he went in there with them. Now, in this situation, in this story, this illustration, it was revealed that he went through it with them, but how many other situations that we don't see God, but we see his handiwork, even in our lives here tonight, he's working through our situation. He goes through it with us. We might not see him. Sometimes we pray and we might not even know where he's at and don't even think he even listens or hears us. We feel like we're on an island by ourselves. But that's not the case. He is through all. He's working through the situation with you and with me. Amen, because he gets engaged in it. He's the authority, but he also goes with us through it. And then the last one, and I'm going to close on this one, um, it, it's uh, God is in you all, in you all. What do you think about that? Here are a few comments on that. Sister Connie? Like I said, I just had this whole conversation with Jace. Um, and literally this entire scripture is what I was explaining to Jace. And uh, in you all, because um, I was saying like, well, you know, God breathed the life into Adam and Adam became a living soul. And, um, and so when we uh, take a breath, that God is life and we're alive um, walking around on the earth, you know, and, and God is life. And once we stop breathing, we're no longer alive. And so um, the breath that we inhale, um, I, you know, it, in so many words, um, it's like, you know, God is, yes, he fills us with his spirit and all that. But even in a general sense, um, every time that we breathed, it was God that supplied that air and breathed into Adam. And therefore, we are all extensions of that. And when we breathe our air, it's because it's God's life through us. It, I don't know if that it made sense yesterday. <laughs> it would be good when we breathe in air to consider that is the breath of God in our lives. Amen. Anybody else? In you all in you all, that God is in you all.
coming. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Anybody else? In you all. Okay. I'm going to give the meaning of in you all. It means in the Greek, gives, now, now we, we think of it as being the Holy Ghost in us, which it is. That's a big part of it. It's God in us. We receive the Holy Ghost into our life, God's Spirit living within us. That's part of salvation. Um, but listen to what the meaning of the word means in the Greek. It's the Holy Ghost in us, but it also means, and this shows God, to give self wholly to. It means God gives himself wholly to. Not, I'm not talking about H-O-L-Y to. I'm talking about W-H-O-L-L-Y. He gives himself everything to us, wholly to. And he's in us. And it also goes on, listen to what it says here too, within the limits of some space, give self wholly to within the limits of some space, which is inside of us. And it is the infilling of the Holy Ghost, but the Lord gives everything to us, to you, to me. So in understanding, for us to understand more about God, let's go back over, we've got to understand that he is above all. He's a caring father. He, is, he, he takes care of us. He is the authority. He is working through us, through our situations of life, through everything, through the ages of time. He's working through these things and doesn't just leave us alone to go through it by ourselves, but he's there with us whether we see him or not. He's there in whatever situation you're going through tonight. God is there in that. And then also, in you all, he gives himself wholly to us. He allows, if, he allows the spirit to be inside of us, living in us. But when I look at all of these things, that he is above all, and he's through all, and he's in you all, all of these are dependent upon our relationship with him because it's not a one-sided thing. This is what he wants to give us. He wants to be above us. He wants to protect us. He wants to take care of us. He wants to work through us. And he wants to be in us, but it's, it's got to all be because we allow him to and say, yes, I want you in my life to be above my life, to be an authority in my life, tell me the direction and guidance in my life and work through my life and to be in my life and to be in, in, my, in my confined space here to give yourself wholly to me because that's what God wants to do. So in your life, the only way he could be above all in your life and through all in your life and in you all in your life is you have to make a choice to commit yourself to God in the same way that he does to you, wholly to him. To allow him to be above you and be that authority and to allow him to work through you and to allow him to be in you. That's God. So in, as, as we come up on this new year, it's important for us to continue to search out God and make the right decisions so that we can allow God to be all that he wants to be in our lives. And trust me, right now, wherever you're at in life, he is with you, he is above you, he is in you, and he's working through your life right now. You might not see it, you might not hear it, but just trust the word of God He's there with you, and it's going to work out, and there is hope, and it's going to be okay. But just give yourself totally to him. Amen? Let's stand tonight. Praise God. Thank you for the comments. We appreciate that, and... Uh,
I'm thankful that we know the Lord. And there's a whole lot more that we can learn about him. There's so much more. And Paul was giving the Ephesians this word, and he's also given it to us to help understand who he is, that he is the almighty God. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus.